Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 141 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on August 24th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the, the cabal hierarchy. Wow, excuse me. Uh, first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How's the week treated you so far? It's good. You know, I have to say, I really always dig Radio Voice Blue. Like, your radio my, voice my is... NPR, My NPR version, yeah. or NPR yeah. mode. Like you're like when you do the intros, I know that some of the intros that you do are recorded and I know I get into like a similar voice pattern for most of my summaries too, but like, it's very, it's very mellow. You could totally do an NPR show. I appreciate it. Thanks. I, I, uh, when I used to do the, uh, dad's a destiny podcast, we had one guy who literally would say, um that he turned it on because we we did the we did a similar thing with them as we do with us we made sure you know that it was appropriate for for kids uh just because as dads they had a lot of people were listening in the car with their kids and but like <laughs> the one of the guys literally messaged me and he's like just fyi really appreciate you talking and rants because i just turn it on and my kids fall asleep I'm like, I don't know if that was a compliment, but I'm going to take it like that. Like, I uh, thanks, I think. I, like, I feel like you're having Myelin syndrome here where oh, people listen to his voice to fall asleep. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I remember seeing that, like one of those conversations. But like, again, it was kind of yeah. like, I think that's a compliment. Like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, eh, like, but people people say it with me recently and i'm just like wait you can actually fall asleep to this place what are you talking about <laughs> well just wait i suddenly scream and then <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i could go death metal if we if we really want yeah to. I, hey calm, uh, calm down i don't know if i want to calm do down jim calm down all uh, right <laughs> well rounding out the usual team we have the man who is known far and wide as the destiny lore content cop and spin foil farmer the one and only beard <laughs> grizzly <laughs> Beard, how are you doing tonight? I'm not a content cop, for one thing. Um, 
And the moment that I am is the moment that I, uh, oh God, that, <laughs> that is he, so messages, much he, watch. he messages me and oh. he's like, what have I become? <laughs> he basically, I'm just like, you know what? There's going to be a new intro like almost every single week. I'm, yes. I'm doomed. I am just yes. absolutely doomed. And yes. yet here I, here I am coming back on the show just to ensure that he I likes get my, it. Uh, don't, don't let him fool you. Of abuse. Yeah, he, I he because loves I love it. you. I just have I've I think you know as I'm sitting here reading uh, Treasure Island off and on again, Kate's Treasure Island, not the actual mm-hmm. Treasure Island. Uh, we got so either either I is acceptable. Have issues. Yes, either is acceptable. I forgot how good that was. Speaking yeah. of, like while I'm sitting and reading over it again. Oh, uh, like the the actual many... the actual one mm-hmm. or or the Cage Journal uh, one because both of them are actually. Just... But again, no, like that statement can amazing. I, I was like, legitimately, that is actually applicable to both of them. It's one of the mm-hmm. ones that you're like, oh yeah, that's that stupid book that we used to have to read for class, and then you start reading, it, you're like, this is really good. How do I, I forgot this is so good. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I'm gonna say that is one of those that you can like really, uh, and again, the real version, like you can mm-hmm. really just digest, and I feel it's. Uh, I feel it's that, a very easy and nice read to to get into. That and to, um oh not Robinson Crusoe, but the Family Robinson. Oh. Yeah, yeah that was yes, an, that's another Robinson. one that's like it's just it just sucks you in. Like it's like yep. it's one of those things where it's like I don't even know why it's such a good story, but it just really is. Yeah, but you know, classic literature sucks. Uh, yeah. What? No, what? Hey, Moby why? Dick is an awesome story. I don't know what you're talking about. Three, I mean, three musketeers look, and Count of Monte Cristo. That was that was sarcasm. Okay, okay. All right. Count of Monte Cristo just, is like the best revenge story ever. It's my it favorite really book is. of all time. Yeah, yeah. and like, like I would really, cool. if you have not read the act, like if if you're out there and you haven't the read the actual legit Monte Cristo, and you want to know what revenge is all about, read mm-hmm. the Count of Monte Cristo, like the the like full full version, because. Right. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Oh. I feel like uh, actually on a small tangent, as we're starting already, uh, I actually wanted to read a little bit more of uh, Moby Dick. Now that you bring that up a little bit mm-hmm. more, before Metal Gear Solid Five came out, because the one character was named Ishmael, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right. What are they tying back to here?" Uh, and it, I don't think it became pertinent, like, whatsoever. I was really disappointed. Aww. Yeah, because that oh, would have well, been a really was... cool tie-in, especially with Ishmael's, yeah. like, the the character from Moby Dick. Like, his whole I thing. Mean, like, that would have been a really cool tie-in, actually. As a whole, like, he is, uh, like, the game is, is, a, is another revenge story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, this is going to be something, like, Metal Gear Solid Five is a very big revenge story. Uh, and I feel like I can get like content ID by Konami for just even speaking the name of the game. Uh, anyway, the biggest thing though about uh, the way that it all panned out, like it had unfortunately nothing to do again with the book, but it was still very interesting to kind of like tie it all back in. Uh, summary, kids, uh, please read some amazing old literature because eventually Deadpool will kill it all. PSA for the week. Read your books. Read your books. And cla- yeah, classic literature is just it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. If you want to know where we get all of our stories today and why yep. we sit and talk about the ones pertinent to like right now, this is it. 
Mm-hmm. Not to mention, it'll also give you a greater appreciation for pretty much anything that you're you watch or see, even if it's not like relevant. Like, if it might not seem relevant, but like the story, like the story arcs, like these are these are the introductions to stories like that yep. have resonated through pretty much modern storytelling, at least. But mm-hmm. before we get off on on that whole dangerous dangerous <laughs> tangent, um. So quick quick side note for before we dive into the lore, if you are playing if you are a player of Destiny 2, um and I know you probably we probably won't you probably won't hear this until Monday when we release it, but if you're in the live stream, be sure to jump into Scorch because oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I managed I man, I've managed I've managed to get a couple games in and it's like Super Fiesta from Halo. It's yes. just like oh my god, it is so so much fun. Complete chaos. Yep. Complete it's, chaos. It's impossible to see anything because, okay, it may have been just the match <laughs> that I went into, but the people <laughs> the on my cluster, team were just the like... cluster kills. Const- oh my god, just constantly like bunching up. I'm like, guys! <laughs> it's this rocket game launchers! Does, it's rockets! <laughs> don't... I wasn't with the team. You- you don't you don't play it like control. You don't bunch no. up. You get I think away. It was, I think Everybody's it was, uh, jumping around like crazy people. Which is like, yeah, it's it's one of the game modes where it's actually really bad to be a hunter because you don't have yep. the floaty jumps. And I've seen so many titans that are just like basically f- just hovering. Like they mm-hmm. they find a corner and they just hover in it. It's just I'm like, yeah, that's a good. You're against a wall, which is to my benefit, but you know. Other than that, you got a good drop on people. Yep. Don't chat. Don't stand in the fire. <laughs> Everything's on fire. That's I think why it was, it's called Scorch. I think, I think it was Triple Wreck that had tweeted out. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's a crucible mode where you're actually punished for team shotting things. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh... Okay, much. so I yeah, I just wanted to call that out. I'm I'm in absolute love with that that game mode. So been having a blast. I kind of hope it. that eventually, like these uh, these modes, kind of hold as a a common even as a private match. I really hope we get them right. like you know yeah, at least at fun. least like at least unlock it. Like hey, here's here's private because we have private matches. And just be right. like here here. This is always available in private match. You know, just because it's yep. just shenanigans. Yep. Um. But yeah, so so I I know everyone here is also looking forward to diving into discussion. So let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the Barons of the Scorn. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay up on the charts, which help others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you again. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. 
Every Friday, at around 10 p.m. Central, we try to get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on Cade 6 in preparation for the Forsaken DLC. Note that there will not be a poll this weekend, as we are going to set aside next week's discussion for a summarization of the extra lore content from August, the God of War series. With all this being said, here's Green with a high-level summary of tonight's topic. A scientific or natural law is a statement that must describe some aspect of our own universe and be based on repeated experimental evidence. Thus, through our own perspective, everything has laws, order. It is how we learn and adapt. However, the presentation of this concept varies from the cold logic of the hive to the scavenger way of life of both the fallen and awoken. Each of them organize themselves based off of their own unique circumstances. The cabal are no different. Rigid in their own structures, their development bespeaks of a people who are also trying to survive and grow, but by use of conquest. Their methods reflect that of the Roman Republic, in that the military provided a structure for their own culture to graft to. Their laws and customs, that which we are able to see, evolved from their military exploits. The honor of the cabal give rise to a code of conduct for those who find themselves as part of their society. The Cliff Notes version, though? You can tell a lot about a people by the way they fight. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the Cabal's hierarchy, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. So I managed to do it again this week and skip the community question. Um, But given what the community question was and the discussion that came about, we're actually going to hold off. So it actually I'm going to pretend like that was planned and say that we're going to discuss it actually at the end of the episode as a lead in kind of to maybe a uh, let's chat episode. Mm -hmm. Um. That being said, I wanted to take a look real quick uh, for the Lost Lore section, really just a real, real quick look at kind of a curious little thing uh, or curious little item called, I think it's called the Ensign Shade. I believe it's Ensign. Insigni? Ensign? 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 I don't think it's an in because in, I don't know. Not enzyme. Right, I know. Well, that's what, yeah, like, uh, oh, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Ensign ensign shade robes. Um, Actually, the entire ensign shade armor set really is uh, is a really, really cool um, little glimpse into Callus's understanding of what the Cabal used to be. But there is a specific mention of a term that I think really needs to be called out and that is the the concept of Athenaeum worlds um and so to kind of your 
fair warning, this episode is going to be dealing a lot with Roman topics, uh, just simply because it's the cabal and we will, we're going to start that conversation as to why here. So Athenaeum is actually in modern parlance is a term that is used to refer to any of the following, which would be schools, libraries, clubs, and societies, museums, culture centers, performance halls, and theaters, or periodicals. Uh, the common feature of these is that it is, they all have the aspiration to fulfill a cultural function similar to that of the ancient Roman school, which was founded by the Emperor Hadrian in Rome for the promotion of literature, literary and scientific studies. Uh, the full definition of Athenaeum is actually is, is defined as a term that is, quote, used in the name of libraries or institutions for literary and or scientific study or used in the titles of periodicals concerned with literature, science, and art. These all tie in with the overall message of the entry in which Callus is lamenting the loss of the inquisitive and adaptive nature of the Cabal Empire underneath the rule of Gaul and his Red Legion, where before the Cabal had been, as Callus points out, quote, collectors of the highest order, end quote, they are now only focused on what Callus sees as base and simple goals. He states that the Ensign Shade Glove, here he states, in the Ensign Shade Gloves that the Red Legion has created an empire that is, quote, devoid of cultivation and utterly defeated by a child race whose only claim to significance was bestowed on them by an inexplicable entity. How has it come to this? The Red Legion were led by the greatest pit fighter in our history, but they were led by a pit fighter. Arena culture became the religion of the empire. Their medical technology, their science, is hilariously inadequate for the vast empire they must support. Should their perpetual war against this system end, they are already doomed. End quote. In the same way that Rome grew opulent from their acquisition and utilization of the artifacts and knowledge of their conquest, Callus notes that the Cabal actually achieved similar heights and that this way of life is ultimately what he seeks to return to with those loyal to him. Again, uh, if you look at the Ensign Shade uh, armor set, this is where you get a, um, a sense of why Gaul and the Consul and the Red Legion in general viewed Callus's reign as one of greed and um, of just unnecessary opulence. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Callus is arguing, no, it is because of our acquisitions of our, of our incorporation of all the cultures that we acquired through growth and through conquest. It's because of all these artifacts. He speaks of like collecting all these artifacts into, um, what he refers to as Athenaeum worlds. And he has loyalists that were positioned on each of these worlds. And he actually laments the fact that he hasn't heard from these loyalists. And he, he calls it out that says by saying that if the loyalists that he had placed on these Athenaeum worlds are gone, they're the, the, the information that they have access to is lost forever. Like they, there is, mm-hmm. there is no way you're going to, it's basically multiple accounts of the Alexandria library. Um, and that is what actually Callus in, in this particular armor set is lamenting is because because the Red Legion is so overly focused on warfare and, you know, the brutish, the blunt instruments. He, he like he makes a comment that even the vaults of uh, Torbertal are now empty of all the weapons and artifacts, these immense weapons that they had acquired. And he's like, we don't know where they went. We don't know if the Red Legion has used them, if they've lost them, you know, we don't know. So that's, it's kind of like a, it, it kind of paints Callus not as a Nero, but more of a, more of a Hadrian type esque. And, and if you guys know your, your Roman history, um, 
that'll make a little bit more sense. But if you don't, Nero was Nero is ascribed for the destruction of Rome, whereas Hadrian was arguably around the time of the height of the Roman Empire. Uh, technically, you could uh, technically I think most people ascribe the height of the Roman Empire as during Trajan's reign, but Hadrian was pretty was around that time as well. Uh, a common thing that you might recognize that name from is Hadrian's Wall. Uh, that is mm-hmm. in that's in Gaul, uh, which no, not the name Gaul, Gaul as in France, which was a province that they were actually having problems with uh, at the time of Hadrian. And so in response, Hadrian was like, we can't win, but we can build a wall to try to like defend our northern borders and defend the people that we we have, you know, loyal to us and that are under our protection. That was their pretty much their only defense against picks at the time, which that's a whole fascinating history, actually. Uh, if it you is want to, actually, one of my favorite histories. As yeah, far the picks. As... The picks are absolutely effing crazy. I love them. Yes. The they. Yes, uh, it was a culture of. Uh, uh, I, they were really kind of. I want to say they're Germanic, but no one really knows they were Gal- Gaelic, and mm-hmm. uh, they're. <laughs> The way that they terror they they are responsible for terrorizing Rome, like not in not in the same way that the Vandals did or the uh, the uh, uh, oh Visigoths, but like the Gaelic forces that were the Picts. One of their best tactics was they would actually strip completely naked, paint themselves blue, and then charge into battle. And it's this the is William Wallace thing, but also well, but just, for the Roman troops, this was first off, this was insane because they were charging a battle without armor. Second off, it's Northern Europe; they're freezing to death, and yet they're looking up and they have like six and a half foot tall, seven foot tall berserkers running at them, screaming, completely in the nude, with blue paint on. That's it. Why not? I mean, <laughs> intimidation so, at the. <laughs> right no i mean and and the picks were amazingly good at psychological warfare uh and so that's what hadrian was fighting against when he built the wall and he was like i i i don't i don't know like they're crazy we need to keep them out that's all i know and i'm gonna build a wall we're gonna station people on it and hopefully that's enough and it was for a little while but as uh, far as the difference between callus and gaul and the whole I can't pronounce it. Say it again. The 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 red a Athenium. word. Athenium. 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 Um, Ath- it's the Athenium. 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 I always want to say anathium, but that's yeah, a totally different. It's a different. Thing. That's a different thing. Um, yeah. But the um, the difference between the two is basically allowing the culture to develop versus being so militar- militaristic and I don't want to say efficient, but restraining in a way to the culture mm-hmm. restrictive in that it doesn't allow for the growth to happen. Um, Callus wanted to allow that. And that is, if you go in the hierarchy of needs, if we're going to kind of dive into that direction, mm-hmm. it just means that they have more of their needs met so they can express he, themselves in those different ways. Yeah. And he calls that out. Uh, what again, you know, again, and the, and they kind of mentions this, you know, Gaul was a pit fighter. Like so, I guess we'll we'll kind of branch into the the topic too because this is really this is actually a really good segue um, to kind of talk about the hierarchy. So in in the in the world of the cabal from Callus's perspective, um, there was it, it 
you have to imagine the the cabal world during Callus's reign as a very Roman Empire esque, not Roman Republic though. That it, it that does get a little blended, uh, simply because it's not the Roman Empire. But so they kind of take pieces from both of it. But it is much more like the Roman Empire. And the re- reason I say that is that the Cabal uh, had a very strong blood sport, uh, blood sport presence. They they were very big on gladiatorial games. Callus like has called out specifically multiple times where he would actually use Gaul to punish counselors. He would make people bet against it, which was an actual also a strategy during the Roman times. Like they would it was a political kind of like you you lost face and you know they didn't have to actually physically punish you because you've lost political power because you were forced to kind of side with the losing side. Um Callus kind of did that strategy and Gaul was the weapon that he used to do that. Um, so Gaul was actually a literal, uh, was a literal pit fighter. He, he rose through the ranks as an, and Gaul, as we see in destiny Two, Gaul was an albino, uh, cabal, which was super rare. And so on top of that, he was like the super rare prize that, you know, Callus all had. That was all to say that from a psychological point of view, Gaul was risen or raised in an environment in which he had to, the only way he could succeed was literally beating people to death and killing those who stood in his way. He doesn't know anything else. Whereas Callus, we don't know a lot about Callus's like extended history, but we do know that Callus was more of a politician um, and we also see Callus mentioning this in that he, I think it's also in the Ensign Shade uh, armor set, he mentions that the Cabal under his reign were not just known for being very, very efficient, very, very brutal warriors, but they were also very good diplomats. It was very much more akin to the Roman Republic, whereas Gaul's Cabal Empire is much more akin to the, the Roman Empire. Um, in that sense, like there, there's a, there's a bit of a, a playoff of each other there. Callus's uh, Callus, I keep wanting to call it Rome. Callus's empire was much more uh, political. It was much more, you know, debate oriented. The debate halls were called out by Callus as being this very, very vi- or not violent, but very aggressive. Um, backstabbing a lot not, of. I mean, not like backstab, like not like negative. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They there was. Had that. It's- but it's um, it was like true diplomacy, true diplomacy. Right. Whereas Gaul is, you know, Gaul is the trial by combat. Callus was, it was, I mean, just as deadly, but it was around wordsmithing. Whereas Gaul is around bloodletting and political kind of maneuvering. The, right. But the other thing to mention, though, between the two of them, in so much that Callus. There's a there's a downside to both of them. Correct. There's a very Cal- strong downside to both of them. Yes. So Callus Callus's downside actually is what set Gaul off to um, react the way he did. It's the you're too indulgent in this, and there's no moderation. It's one extreme or the other with these two. And Gaul went the opposite direction. He went completely militaristic whereas callus went very much so to the to the extreme on sloth and opulence and just gluttony well, 
And the funny, so, and that's kind of a funny thing. I remember mentioning this when we first got wind of the naming conventions here because Uh Callus was very much close to the Roman, like Roman Republic leadership. And, and so this is kind of the interesting thing because one of the things that allowed the Roman Republic to fade into the Roman empire were the Gauls. Mm-hmm. It was it was against Gauls that Caesar actually was able to gain political power enough so that when he cro- when he did the famous crossing the Rubicon, um, and he he challenged the Republic and took control fully and formed the empire at that time. It was because of his victories against Gauls that he was able to do that. He had forged an army through the fires of you know for, through the crucible of northern conquest. And came back to Rome, and all the armies basically were like, "Yep, he knows what he's doing. You guys don't." And at that time, also, that was where you started seeing a lot of private armies being being designed or being developed. And so that was a huge. That's a huge tangent conversation too, because that was another piece that really bit them in the butt. But they didn't. They didn't have armies loyal to the city. They had armies loyal to generals. And so that's where you get this like big, big conflict between uh, your triumvirates uh, during the Romans, Roman time and all that is because they had personal armies. They would just send armies against each other without consulting the city. And they'd be like, oh, you're supposed to be fighting this this province. Well, no, this other guy is challenging me. And he like they, they would just that that's just it was a somewhat it wasn't like super common, but it was a common occurrence that that's how they settled things. And so that was the world in which Caesar came back in. And Caesar had probably at the time one of the most hardened armies because they had survived so many campaigns that were basically suicide missions. They had been sent to die and instead they won. And so when they came back, it was like, yeah, not only did we win, we're going to take take this. Um Sorry, I'm checking chat real quick. So, uh real quick if you guys don't mind, I'm going to jump back to a, a brief introduction of Cabal just for anyone who, you know, has been under a rock. Um, so as as a basic introduction to Cabal to kind of give you an idea of the the uh, the anatomy or these actual physical presence of these, the Cabal are basically a race of giant bipedal humanoids. The average height tends to be around five foot eight with an average weight of about 800 pounds. The lifespan for the species, as we know it currently, tends to be over a thousand years. Uh, the actual name of their species is actually still unknown. We we have we have referred to them as the Cabal, uh, though certain individuals within the Vanguard refer to them also as War Rhinos or Space Turtles, which is a very apt name given the life cycle or the lifespan. Um, and they're they're actually described in Destiny One as being the greatest known military force in the system, which was kind of the the end result of Destiny One was kind of limiting of that of that military force. Uh, they're also extremely tough. They are willing to defend territory that they have claimed as their own until every last one of them is dead. They are extremely industrious and militaristic, with a social structure that does appear to revolve heavily around conquest and expansion, which is also backed up by Callus. Uh, they they all come from what's referred to as the mother system, which is where their home world, Torbital, is located. Uh, the focal locations that we see in the soul system currently are Mars, Phobos, Earth, Nessus, Io, and Mercury. Um, and then as far as like 
when we got introduced to them, pretty much they've been a primary antagonist in the series since since it came out. Like they it was they were in the vanilla campaign. As soon as we landed on Mars, we stepped into a war with the Cabal. Yada yada yada. You all know that quote. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Be fair. Be fair, though. Yeah. Be fair. But to be fair, it is a valid quote for this point. It it, it does. That is when we kind of got as players introduced to the Cabal. They were very 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 deadly forces and then our guardian kind of cut the head off of their leadership i can still sit back and go cabal again cabal again it's it's just my head yeah (laughs) um so to kind of to kind of break out uh these field so they're this is kind of a a a, uh a a weird subject because there's a lot of different layers of hierarchy especially within the cabal um first off a a very curious facet of the cabal is that they are actually one of the few antagonistic npc races that don't seem to worship anything that we can see we we don't there is no worship at all in their in their uh society that we can see other than to like the god emperor type worship which again is Mm -hmm. very roman-esque um but like there's no there's no like the hive have you know the hive gods or the worm gods you know the fallen kind of have the servitor the great machine you know the guardians have the the trap like there's there's always like this concept of worship um the cabal have absolutely nothing like we have not seen anything in game so far for them to worship anything so there's a lot of different breakouts of hierarchy in regards to the cabal. Callus uh, actually uh, states the cabal. I remember were an eclectic people. There were so many indoctrinated species among us. They defied reckoning. The red legion have changed all that in my absence. So again, to kind of point back to the, the, in, the uh, inception of the name cabal, a cabal is a gathering of different individuals for usually nefarious purposes a cabal um in in game to kind of run do you green do you want to run through the units for us real quick uh, or do you want to you want me to i don't know which which units are we talking about like just, all of the units just, uh yeah just real quick i kind of put together a little quick summary of them and i'm trying to make sure yeah uh starting at the top i have them ranked on okay. on the units for as far as like height and hierarchy. So the first one is the highest on the field. Okay. So as far as field units, the one that we see the highest rank without being named generally are mm-hmm. Centurions. They are the Cabal Field Commanders. They are armored with a formidable collection of combat electronics and munitions referred to as the eye and the fist of the Cabal. The Leather that binds the unit together. They assess control over local resources and the Cabal battle network through the use of field ciphers. Following them, which I find these guys more annoying, um, are the Colossus. (laughs) The Colossus are massive figures that tower over the other Cabal. This heavy infantry unit is meant to hold up against even the most aggressive assault. They utilize the heavy slug thrower, which fires a hail of micro-rockets. These guys are more annoying to me than uh, Centurions. I think Centurions are pretty simple to take out. But after that is Gladiator. 
these are your two sword or two uh, knife kind of guys. They are heavy melee infantry equipped with the Cabal Severus. These soldiers uh, will charge into battle with relentless abandon. Their blades and incredible strength augmented by astonishing endurance and agility. These seem to represent the pit fighters from which Gaul was risen during the gladiatorial games with which Callus was known to have enjoyed. Uh, incendiators. I think you forgot a T in that one. Nope. That um, is that is actually how it incendiars? is. It's in, incendiars. Yep. That's weird. Yeah, I it's annoying. It's, it. I, I know. I, I str- every time the reason I know that is because every time I type that stupid thing, I wanted to put the T, and I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, nope. <laughs> it's not how it's written. I was like, ah. Yeah. These guys are the fun, fun, boom, boom guys. Um, they have. <laughs> they are armed with Cabal magma launchers. These are the pyrotechnic eunuchs of the Cabal military. As with most flamethrowers, general advice is to fight from a distance due to common explosions upon their demise. These guys are fun to blow up because you can ping them into the jetpack on the back or the fuel pack on the back and they will blow up and create an area of effect um, damage to anybody who's close to them. They also sucked on one AU during the solstice (laughs) because they would push you out because they have a nice little blast, like a little boop that would push you out into the sun or push you off the, I I may have a real beef with that mission, but moving on Uh, the phalanx soldiers armed with massive tactical shields with integrated sensors that connect to the cabal battle network where others deal out punishment. The phalanx absorbs it advancing slowly forward besides their brethren in the storm of battle. These guys are different. We see a different version of the phalanx in the Red Legion compared to what we did in D1. D1, they had just these metal shields, essentially. D2, uh, they have... No, they, they had... They, I think it was just more prominently ex, ex, uh, seen... But they did have the expansive. They didn't have like as big of an expanse, but they did have the the hard the. I want to call it hard light. I think they have a different term for it, but it's hard light. Uh, they mm-hmm. did have the hard light esque uh, shields. I don't remember them having that. It just wasn't. It wasn't like you could the. Shoot their feet. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can shoot the feet now with the hard light, yeah. unless they unless they set up, which is where I think they are copying what they did with the Titan with the. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, whatever but yeah the wall they they kind of use that mechanic that mechanic is new um but to be fair i don't think it's just red legion phalanxes that have that i think the loyalist loyalist failing i will get these words out the loyalist phalanx i think also have that tech okay but the, Ah. the thing the thing here the important thing with the phalanx is actually their shields because there's a very important thing about their shields that I'm, I'm going to kind of circle back to. So, but go ahead and finish it out. We're almost yeah. to the end of the list. So we've got the legionaries, which are the most common that we tend to see is the line infantry and the backbone of the cabal military power. These troops are equipped with jump packs and powerful slug rifles. They rely heavily on tactics centered around the bounding advance and are noted at being exceptionally skilled at the slow advance at this this tactic creates these guys are 
not they don't fire very quickly either. Sometimes they have um they don't always just have slug rifles. Sometimes they have the other yes, the faster are, firing. Correct. They each so to call out just real quick, each one of these units, this is a general archetype. Uh each one of these archetypes will have a multitude of variants underneath that. Um that to be fair, I didn't want to list because that That's would a be lot. That would be a, a a tome within itself to just list out the different variations. Uh, Destinypedia has a really good breakout. There's a couple other wiki, like fan wikis, that have a few pieces that are out there. Um, but yeah, th- that was there. There are a lot of variations, even within and especially within the legionaries, because they are the infantry. So of course they're going to have that rank and file esque era or rank and file echelon is going to have a lot of variations. You have, you have uh, quicker moving ones, you have slower moving ones, uh, the weapons like green is saying right now, the big thing with the legionary is that they do have a uh, starship trooper esque strategy, which is uh, basically a hop, a bound tactic or bounding advance, which basically means that you'll have two or more waves. And what that does is the first wave will land set up uh, covering fire. And the other, the other wave will actually jump over them with their jump, uh, jump packs and either land in front of them between the enemies and lay their own ground covering fire, or they will actually over jump and flank the, the enemy. Uh, so that's what's usually, that's what's meant by a bounding advance is that kind of that jump, that leapfrog esque attack pattern. Uh, now we get into the two that are actually not of the Cabal race, whatever race they technically are, because we don't have that name, like Blue was saying earlier. We have the Scions. They are smaller than the other Morse found in the Cabal military. These enslaved specialists are hyper-intelligent, fast on their feet, and unpredictable. Armed with long-range precision weapons, they also have the ability to emit disorienting disorienting and deadly psychokinetic arc blast along with other psionic abilities um trying the um the one from the dust palace the flares. ones that were supercharged oh god flares were so yes and if you didn't we have will... a sword they were a pain in the tush uh-huh yes. and we will come back to the flares because the flares are actually really important in so far as the legions are concerned and then finally, the saddest ones of them all, the war beast, the cute little doggies that have scary mouths that open a couple different ways. Um, the four-legged cabal creatures who act as frontline attack animals and military hounds, quick and highly aggressive, especially the Red Legion variant. They are deployed usually as shock troops, distractions, or cannon fodder, which is so sad. Well, and to call out, too, this is actually a really cool trivia effect that I can't remember which uh, developer. The art book. No, oh, no, this was over no. on Reddit. He pointed out, because he had uh, one of the one of the devs from uh, Bungie actually has a tattoo, a really cool tattoo of um, a, his shoulder with a war beast uh, hide on it. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the primary devs of the War Beast, and he was the one that pointed out if you look at the Red Legion War Beast, you will see the aggro juice pipes. He's the one who explained that to everyone. Um, so there's a difference between the Red Legion and the Loyalists. So 
and to kind of back up real quick to explain why we keep referring to these two groups, Red Legion and Loyalist are the two major schisms right now that we have in the Cabal. Loyalists are obviously loyal to Callus, um, and then Red Legion is Gaul's side. So there's there was there's been a civil war basically in the Cabal Empire. We're going to kind of probably get into that a little bit. But that's the two primary factions. There actually is a third faction who is actually even older uh, called the Praetoriate. Uh, there are a few sympathizers for the Praetoriate, but they're not as... Those tend to fall in line with the Red Legion more so than anything. The so they're Praetorian usually... The political group that helped... Oh, they were, they were mil- out. Well, so no. Yes, but no. Praetoriate was Praetoriate was the reigning class of aristocrats before Callus assassinated right. the Senate. And then right. he left he left some of the Praetoriate alive as punishment, and the Praetoriate, the consul being one of them, mm-hmm. um was who then later came and backed Gaul in his coup against Callus. So the Praetoriate is like but now there's also there's also uh some in some of the armor sets tabs, there's a couple room like rumblings of Praetoriate versus Gaul. Like there's not, there wasn't always. They didn't see eye to eye. Basically, um, Gaul was a tool for them. Yeah, and Gaul didn't act like a tool. Like he, he to be fair he with he Gaul, like a tool, but not well, that kind I mean, of tool. Gaul, Gaul did not let himself be played as easily as I think they wanted him to be. But that's again, that's going to be that'll be more of into the coup conversation than this right now but really quick the the war beast one of the saddest things was actually learning what the red legion did to them um if you look really carefully at the war beast that you experience on the leviathan they are significant there they are significantly different the red legion war beast are the the red uh scaled scale mail covered uh they almost have mechanical augmentations uh they have the claws that have been mechanically augmented uh the headpiece the the head shield that they have um and if you actually when you kill a red be a red legion war beast and you look really closely at it which some of us have done you'll notice that there's a lot of these pipes that are running into their skull well we didn't know what they were for that is because the red legion is literally pumping what's called agro juice into their brains so these animals are basically in a constant for a constant state of frenzy and they have they're no regard mini- they're miniature banes without the voice yeah pretty much and which makes it just really even sadder um another little trivia fact is that the warby skin is one of the toughest materials in the galaxy at the point at this point as far as the cabal are aware of uh that that occurs like naturally so that is why the red legion often will have the warbeast hide as part of their armor that is that's why they wear it is it is literally an amazing set of armor um but real quick to kind of jump back into the phalanx, I wanted to call out the entire point of the phalanx and really the cool thing that they introduce here is the thing that's called the Cabal Battle Network. This is an entire system. Imagine this as, um, as the Vex Network, all right, but it's for the Cabal. Uh, the Centurions actually have within their armament uh, the those uh, military uh, what did I what did I call it to, what did I say uh, combat electronics 
that mm-hmm. collection of combat electronics is actually what gives the centurion absolute control over the local resources through the field ciphers. And so what a centurion will have is a collection of all the information that is being collected from all the units in the field in his area or her area. And they use those sensors to then direct every single every single unit to it's basically a giant RTS game for them. Um, and this, the importance of the phalanx is that those shields, those giant shields that they carry, those are massive, massive sensor input units. So they are actually retrieving real-time data to see what's going on from their phalanxes. Um, and that's you see, cool. yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing. That's, that's why the centurions is kind of, I, I've, I've kind of listed the centurions as the highest in command. Uh, I think the only argument that I've seen is the Colossus technically might be higher in command, but I would argue that's because we just mostly experience named figures that are Colossus archetypes, not because the actual are commanding officers. Um, the Cabal Centurions are definitely the field commanders that are in charge of the squad-based uh, events going on. Um so that being said, do you want to really quick kind of jump into the organization of legions or the rank hierarchy? Sure. We, are we okay? We're skipping over. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to the legions. Presence. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna come back to the legions because that's gonna be a huge conversation. Uh, simply because it's it's very very heavy on uh, political and military importance there. Um, okay. So real quick. Um, Go for it. Uh, just a cliff, or not a cliff notes, but like a preface to this. Some of these are very similar to actual Roman correct names. Some of them are not. Uh, yes, that is correct. And I believe we kind of broke this down. So there's, there's, uh, we've done a couple of episodes on the Cabal, um, and I can. excuse me, I can link them in the show notes. Uh, But if you are curious, they are episode 64, which is where we kind of discuss their weapons. Uh, Episode 22 actually was the initial introduction of the Cabal. Uh, 92 was where we discussed the Empire, which was kind of a comparison to the Roman Empire more heavily. Um, And then uh, 106 was the Hit List, which was where we introduced Callus uh, with the uh, what's been what's been colloquially called the uh, Cabal Bible uh, that came with Destiny 2's edition or um, limited edition. And then episode 128 was a conversation about Benedict 9940, which again kind of dealt more with um, the Leviathan raid, but it also kind of tied back into um it tied back into the cabal pretty heavily um so to kind of jump in to real quick the ranks uh beard do you want to do you want to jump into the ranks real quick or do you want me to run through them i can run through them quick that's okay the top would be a dominus uh or dominus depending how you would like to pronounce it uh this is of course what we saw gaul as uh, it's the highest rank in the Empire. Uh, it's equivalent to military dictator uh, held by uh, Gauls I just had mentioned. Uh, but this wasn't until after uh, the Consul and uh, and Gaul had removed Callus from uh, his position. Uh, which is kind of funny to think about because the Consul actually had given 
the uh, the rank of Dominus to Gaul uh, instead of taking it for himself. So that should give you a little something behind it. Uh, but the next piece behind that is the Emperor. Uh, it's the highest rank in the Empire. However, this is prior to the coup that was led by Gaul. Uh, and of course, this was Callus's, uh position of power that he held. So there are a couple of things, as as you'll see, with between, uh, and I'm sure Jay will kind of agree on this one, when you have changes in power, you also sometimes have like uh, changes in names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this will definitely happen in title, depending on what like what type of reign uh, is is happening uh, within that time period or within that time in general. Uh, the next, though, would be a primus. Uh, Evocate general, uh, primus of all legions, uh, or commander of cabal legions, or uh, a high-ranking member within one. Uh, the primus uh, is actually going to be ahead of something that we're a little bit more familiar with as we uh, that we see in Destiny kind of often is a rank called a valis. Uh, and of course, everybody knows everybody's famous fa- favorite <laughs> Valis, Dark, uh, reserved generally for elite centurions and colossi. Uh, these guys are usually like held in higher esteem. Uh, they have their own command. Uh, they're a little closer to like uh, battalions and so on, if you if you will. Uh, but when you start to see, uh, and Turchain was going to point out what I was going to see. Uh, or say rather the the primus or something that we see a little bit more of the red legion uh i can't recall that we had seen any uh previous to this so it should show you an idea of force that we uh see with the red legion uh versus what we see with uh with the uh forces that we have that i know we'll get to here shortly enough uh from destiny 1 uh underneath the valis however is the val uh, seen among phalanx, centurions, and uh, incendiar body of guards, uh, these guys basically are uh, higher rankings. They they kind of I guess you could say almost like uh, help with uh, platoons. So that's another thing to kind of keep in mind. Uh, underneath them, though, are commanders. Uh, unknown where the actual position in the hierarchy is, as this is a rare designation in the cabal we have seen so far. Uh, commanders are kind of weird, uh, because again, we haven't seen too many, uh, yeah, we haven't seen too many things that are really like showcased as, as cabal as this, uh, or commanders rather, uh, as we kind of show here. I can't actually think of like seeing any commanders off the top of my head, um, uh, hang on real minus quick. like had... what we even see with a couple of like the, the loyalists. I know that in the in the Leviathan there are a couple of commanders that'll pop out, uh, and I think there's a couple of quote unquote commanders that we see with the Taken, but I could be wrong with that. Yeah, I know. Uh, Druus Druus was during the Hollows. Okay, I think that's the only one that really sound. Hang on, I'm I'm trying to. I don't. Oh. I actually didn't connect. I I didn't uh, collect all yeah. of the commanders. The commanders have to get you get their key codes, right? Right. Uh, yeah, commanders or centurions. That's where the uh, field ciphers come from, if I remember correctly. Right. Wait, are you talking? Yeah, means... Wait, are you talking about during Destiny One or Destiny Two? D One, I think. D1, yeah, D One on the Dreadnought. That's where we saw. That's where we learned about the field ciphers with the battle network. Right. Right. 
because we were actually hacking into the battle network to uh, basically proxy as a, a commander to summon troops that we could then kill. Okay. Which was kind of rude of us, to be honest. I thought it was fun. It was a nice, like... Oh, no, no, it was fun. But it's... it was like, if you actually think about what we're doing, it's like, wow, mm-hmm. wow. I feel we're, like I we're was kind playing of, the slots. We're kind like of like a-holes. Up. Well, yeah. But, and? yeah. So, command... <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, yeah. Uh, it is noted, I think... I think you said this. I did noted that commanders are possibly underneath the vowel um, mm-hmm. and the vowel. And, and just real quick to call out uh, for the primus uh, primus is actually is it's one of the few ranks that actually is very obviously segregated, even within itself. Um, we were introduced to the, the rank of Evic evocate general or primus of all legions with destiny two before that we had just known about the primus the evocate general is actually the primus of all legions so it's actually the primus of the primuses if it, if you it's mm-hmm. the first of the first primus is uh latin for first uh so it is actually that is also a actual title from rome which um, if i recall right wasn't that the one that was uh and i i could be wrong here wasn't the ghost primus what uh callus correct. had called yes Gaul? well because okay. gall gall was a primus underneath callus yep. and right. then he because then uh he and oh god what's her the Ev- the the evocate general the the mm-hmm. one that was paranoid uh oh, who is who oh, was part it, of the target oh gosh i just blanked on her name um, I I've got to say don't, uh, uh, don't Amun, remember that one. Amun Arath. Yeah, uh, that's right. It was the one that was like, wait, Arath. why is it Arath? Yeah, why? that's the one everyone lost their minds on. Uh, Amun Arath was the Evocate General of the Primus underneath Callus, um, and then Gaul was one of the Primuses. Actually, Gaul was the Primus of the Red Legion. The Red Legion existed underneath Callus. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and he was known as the Ghost Primus simply because Callus again is an albino, which is super rare. Um, Very but yeah, so um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, was it about the under- I'm sorry. Uh, no, it was about the dom the Dominus. Okay, so you made a comment about yeah. this. Um, it, so there's an interesting, like, confusing factoid here. Uh, so Gaul refuses to take the title Emperor. Uh, which again, you you kind of mentioned this. This is very common in political upheavals uh, or yep. revolutions. Like the person who deposes the king is like, there will be no more kings. I am now the king, but it's a synonym for the king because he doesn't. Yeah, it's 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 this huge political game. Uh, so Gaul refers to himself as the Dominus. Everyone around him refers to him as the emperor. Like the consul constantly refers to him as the emperor. Uh, mm-hmm. there's other people within his legions in some of the, uh, the lore tabs that refer to him as emperor, uh, which is kind of also frustrating because we have a few tidbits. Uh, I'm thinking from destiny one, I'm thinking of the, or not from destiny one, sorry. Um, uh, the dune marcher lore entry is one of the confusing ones because we don't know if we're talking about the emperor callus or the emperor gall because there's actually a bit of a schism even within the cabal here in the soul system during destiny one that we saw because some of the Dest- uh, some of the cabal 
are in in favor of Gaul, and some of them hold to the loyalty of the Empire and Callus. Uh, and so there's a bit of a, a bit of a schism between that particular piece as well. Uh, but yeah, I did want to make a comment that yes, you you are on on the nose as far as the the entire point of Dominus and Emperor. They're the same thing. It's just yep. it's it's literally the appearance. Yep. Uh, I gotta say, it's just a, a type of like how you would want to be seen as as well. Right. Uh, and just to round it out real fast as well, because I don't want to miss it. Uh, the Bracus uh, is underneath the commander. Possibly, they're at least underneath the Vol, uh, which we kind of know of at this point. Which, which again, the commander is kind of the weird one. They they could just be taskmasters for all we know, uh, or like uh, over overlords in a way. But commanders could be something within. And I'm I'm going to actually break out the legions here in a second. Uh, it mm-hmm. could just be something within a uh, like cohort or something, uh, yeah. which is which is also not an unformed concept in military. Uh, it could be not actually a, a full out rank. It could be a, a like a, 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 a squad sergeant or something like that, you know. Um, but real quick <clears throat> to to kind of break out the technical terms for legions before we actually get to the legions, because I know that's actually a really fun conversation that we're going to have um, mm-hmm. real quick. Legions are actually broken out also. And this is very, we don't really know uh, definitions of these breakouts, though if they are similar to Roman breakouts, I can kind of give you a idea of that. That's also going to be in the uh, Cabal Empire conversation that we had. And I don't know if I have my notes handy just right now for that numerical breakout. But if it's anything associated with Roman uh, military, this would be, because this is very similar in naming conventions to the Roman military. Uh, so you will have a legion, which is comprised of cohort. Oh, uh, sorry, real quick. There is a difference between red legion and normal legions. So, and I'm, I'm going to kind of talk about that after I get done with this. So this is the normal legion breakout. So you have a legion, which will have uh, multiple cohorts. Uh, cohorts will sometimes contain auxiliary units, which are usually non-combatant units. One such example is the Strategic Intelligence Maniple, um, which was a non-combatant uh, maniple that we experienced, I think, in Destiny 1, actually. No, I'm, I'm thinking about that one. But uh, underneath cohorts, so you'll have cohorts that form a legion, and then inside the cohorts, you'll have uh, groups called sentries. And then inside the sentries are maniples, and then inside the maniples are squads. Um, and then after that, you just basically have individual soldiers. Uh, there's a really interesting uh, tangent that I went on with in regards to maniples in the Empire episode. Uh, so I really actually recommend looking at that one or going back and listening to it. Uh, there's a really fascinating history uh, with the the development of the maniple as opposed to the phalanx. Uh, both of these are actual squad types, and the maniple actually was the evolution of the phalanx in re- in response uh, during a war that Rome had. Um, and that's all I'm going to say on that one because I can go on for hours on that that particular evolution of military strategy. It's 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 such a cool story. Um, Red Legion, however, so the Red Legion it kind of has the same kind of hierarchy but it's a different naming structure. So you have the Red Legion, 
that is made of what's called fractures. And those fractures are then made of scales, which are then made of bridges, which are made of masses. And then there is this unknown group called companies that it kind of feels like makes up the masses, but we, we just, I, I, we don't have that in the hierarchy solidified. So technically there are companies within the red legion. I don't know where they fall within the hierarchy. So that's, that's kind of the difference is a legion, then fractures, scales, bridges, and masses. Um, so that's, uh, you will see a lot of these within the lore entries and ghost fragments. Uh, any of the ghost fragment cabal, like the reports to the Primus about the Dancing Guardians, for example. You'll see Cohort 7 or 7th Cohort, you know, Maniple 5, you know, blah, blah, blah. That is literally their call sign to, to tell the, the Primus that they're reporting to where they're reporting from, what aspect of the field they're reporting from. So, that being said, do you want to dive into the actual legions themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll start, we'll actually start somewhat, so, fair warning, the legions do have a hierarchy, though it's really fluid, uh, with the exception of, like, the sand eaters, which are at the bottom, mm-hmm. always. Um which makes they sense. Eat the sand. Yeah, they, I kind of feel I feel bad about the sand eaters, but I mean they're they're basically the base troops. Other than that, the hierarchy of where each legion kind of falls really is up to debate. Like I really don't feel comfortable saying that they're like other than the skyburners, the skyburners and ice reapers. Um, yeah, are up they're, at the top. But other than that, different, they have different utilizations. Like each group does. Like they're oh used yeah yeah. Right. So, uh, for for example, so going off that as a segue, uh, Sand Eaters. So, we predominantly experience, mo- so in Destiny 2, we predominantly only experience two legions, Red Legion and Loyalist. In Destiny 1, we had a lot more diverse target selection. Um, Sand Eaters were the cabal that you saw in Destiny 1. Their armor color scheme was usually a white with an orange or light green. And I actually, oh, that's what I forgot to grab. I forgot they each, each of these legions also do have their own insignia and logo. And I forgot to grab that. So I apologize for that. Um, So they are the white, light green, orange-esque armor. And basically these are the bulk of the Cabal ground forces on Mars. They were deployed as base troops to hold ground instead of leaving it vacant. And generally they're under the control of another legion. And really, honestly, there doesn't seem to be any individual member of the Sand Eaters that is above the rank of Brachus. Uh, and that kind of ties into the Dust Giants a little bit. But real quick on Sand Eaters, they basically are the ones that get stuck on patrol because they're expendable. I mean, that's really honestly, they are the, the um, when you talk about infantry rank and file, that is the Sand Eaters. I say they're the boots on the ground. They're the yeah. The they, ones I mean, that uh, not, they're the they, grunts. They, granted, the 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 cabal are always boots on the ground. But uh, <laughs> well, fair, in, except for if they're in the yeah, land tank, then they're wheels right. on the ground. It, right, but That's they're silly land tank. They're they're just a bit more designed to, uh, or they're they're force at least as the the sand eaters are just a little bit more. Uh, derived around full land combat with uh with a little bit more backup from the dust giants as i know we're going to get to 
right um, and i really feel like if it wasn't like with the sand eaters the way they are if i i am i am trying to recall back to some old grimoire because it has been a while since i have read it uh no pun intended the entire idea behind the sand eaters is that their morale is just dipping hard. <laughs> they are they, they are the they are the personification of the war of attrition that the cabal are locked in. Like exactly. Oh my like, oh my gosh. Yes, yep, and that they, is they, that is a hundred percent correct. Yeah, they they fit that position unfortunately very well, uh, and it's a shame for them because of course they. Uh, that you you come to find out that they are just troops that are trying to, you know, manage themselves and and not burn out or, or really just not die. Uh, but the largest thing that I think really gets to me is just reading some of the uh, entries from some of the lower uh, lower ranks in the Sand Eaters. Uh, they they still have some pieces behind them that. Unfortunately, I don't think plays very well in Destiny 2 that uh, they don't have humanity per se, but they have some means behind them that like, I, I really can, uh, I can emphasize, uh, empathize with. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's what I like about the Sand Eaters, I think, a little bit more. Uh, again, very low morale. They're just trying to do what they need to. They're just following orders as they can. They are, as we've said a couple times, they're just full-on grunts. And it's showcased with some of those lore entries that we've had over time yeah and if you try if you work really really hard as a sand eater you might one day grow up and become a dust giant which is sad because they're at the bottom of the pool right well except dust giant well so there's an inter- there's a little bit of an interesting twist on dust giants um Real quick, Dust Giant's color schemes, these are going to be the dark green and orange armor. Uh, again, similar to Sand Eaters, they're highly trained and heavily conditioned troops, and they are deployed to hold ground against heavy offense or push ahead to new ground. So these are actually more of the the, the more advanced rank than Sand Eaters. Uh, the interesting thing about they, these guys is that the highest known figure is actually Valus to Ark, which, you know, everyone everyone recognizes that name. Um, Valus to Ark... Well, Valisar commanded the siege dancers, but right. he was a dust giant. Yeah, like he he is a dust giant, but he was in control of the siege dancers. Um, and so a large number of their a large portion of their numbers does seem to be recruited from veteran sand eater infantry. Uh, they are in the order of battle positions, basically designed as mobile reserve and shock troops or shock forces. Uh, they are specifically trained to blunt the major vex offensives. And reinforce lines of battle where the defenses are utterly failing. So these are, uh, we see a, the reason we know this is because we have an intercepted comms from a Sand Eater group, a Sand Eater squad, I believe, who are just being completely decimated by Vex, and they are calling to the Dust Giants for reinforcements, and that's where the Dust Giants kind of, that's what they kind of do. They are the, they are the kind of... Well, they are the shock troops that are held in reserve and the sand eaters when they get overrun or when they experience something that they can't handle on themselves, they call in the specialist for the ground troops, which is the dust giants. That actually brings me to what I actually I'm interested the most in as far as this legion is the blind legion. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And this is the group that has armor that is black, white, and red, which is an amazing color choice. I completely commend them for their their <clears throat> making sure that that color really pops against the black and red. It's very, very easy to target them. Uh, these troops are interesting. They have a singular goal, and that is the securing and protecting of Vex artifacts, which is an odd thing for the Cabal. Uh, they are led by, or they were led by the former Primus Shaal, uh, which was a figure that our Guardian defeated in the Garden Spire strike from Destiny 1. Uh, this legion actually operates with a very unique strategy that was developed by Shaal in that once they had secured an artifact, the troops would then be divided into what two duties, security and patrol. Uh, they are positioned at the heart of the war against the Vex and Mars, and so these soldiers are those who descend into the buried ruins and catacombs of the Martian landscape, hunting for Vex presence. Which actually brings me to the part that I find the most curious. is This was a theory that was from about, uh, about two years ago over on Reddit from a user that goes by the name of Nemissary. And they say, I have a headcanon theory that the Blind Legion's goal of to secure and protect Vex artifact is actually an outgrowth of their original tactical role for the Cabal of battlefield sappers. They dug massive tunnels underneath battlefields using immense drills like you see in the Cabal Warbase. They were the Blind Legion because they mostly fought in underground darkness. They only became Vex specialists because the Vex had already infested the underground tunnels throughout Mars. And I was like, that is a really good point, and it makes a lot of sense to me. So I don't know what you guys is if you guys had heard if I don't know if you had heard that theory or not. Mm-mm. No, I hadn't. Um, that's that's definitely a very interesting one. I mean, the the Blind Legion to begin with, we didn't know a ton about as it was, so that was that was one thing that kind of kind of helped them out a little bit but Mm -hmm. just like if they're still even operating uh within and and kind of without if you will because they seemed like they followed their own uh agenda to a point uh they were still obviously with the legion but they seem like they they just follow their own needs because of that goal that they have that singular need Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll you see um, that with yeah. some of these more specialized legions and to be fair most of the legions oh, yeah. that we encounter are kind of more specialized with the exception of dust giants and sand eaters who are just right. you know like like we keep saying they're the grunts they're they're the the backbone of the military um yep. which is why most of them are legionaries not actually like super high commanders uh it's also why they are the pro, uh most prominent figures that we encounter uh, whereas with like blind legions and then the next one that I'm going to talk about is the siege dancers. These are more, these are more specialists. They have their, their specialist legions. They are very smaller. They're much smaller. Uh, and they kind of tend to be very focused on certain aspects, mm-hmm. but that's why uh, the idea of the idea of sappers was like, like that would make so much sense to me that you would call that legion, the blind lead because they're moles. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I just I, I read that I think I can't remember when I saw that. Excuse me, but it was somewhat recently. I was digging through some of the archives over on Reddit, and it was one of the ones I was about two years ago. And he the this in, this individual had made that point, and I was like, I really like that theory because it makes a yep. lot of sense. Uh, because if you know anything, I mean, battlefield sappers have pretty much always been a part. Uh, even during the Roman times, they they had sappers. Uh, so there was that was just a. I really liked that theory. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that gets us to the Siege Dancers. And I believe in chat they were talking about the Legion that no one could remember that was blue and yellow. Guess what? That's the Siege Dancers. Their color scheme on their armor is yellow and blue. I believe... I can't remember. Are these guys that have the toothbrush on their helmet? Yes. Yeah. Or is that... Yeah, is that... It's either Siege Dancers or Skyburners that had the toothbrush, right? I'm trying to remember. Skyburners might have had the toothbrush. Anyways... Um, I'm pretty sure it's the Siege Dancers. Siege Dancers? Okay. if you get up to the Skyburners... Like, I I think the 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 two Valis at the top, the, the two brothers, I think, had... Uh, yeah. Well, shield the shield Plus. brothers. Shield brothers were shield. Skyburners, though, because they were bro- well, they were this they were uh, Bond brothers with Primus to on. That's what I mean because I think as the oh Siege like Dancer, the yeah I think, okay I think they both seem to or at least the higher guys did oh, okay uh, okay but the the Skyburners I think also uh, kind of carried that I I feel like it's that's more of like a point if you will oh, of yeah. like a, a show yeah high, uh, her sudden... chain just corrected us yeah Skyburners had the toothbrush mm-hmm. yeah I I just feel like though that was more of like a a thing that started just based on like rank or based on your uh mm-hmm. rank within those certain legions like for Valistar for instance if i remember if he has it uh then I just he love would be i just one love the <laughs> It was the best part about the Saint 14 helmet, too. I mean, let's all be honest. Uh-huh. The toothbrush is the best part. <laughs> um, so going back to Siege Dancers real quick, like I said, color scheme is yellow and blue. Uh, these troops are basically, they're trained in lightning-fast combat that utilizes aerial support and heavy weaponry. Uh, these are tools that allow them to clear large areas and protect key locations while other Cabal forces clean up what was left behind. These are the forces the Cabal send into unsecured areas to take control and set up initial fortifications, which is seen in their actual their tactical doctrine, which allows for more freedom to the unit commanders in the field. Our interaction with the dancers actually came after we removed the leadership of the Sand Eaters and Dust Giants when they were ordered to reclaim the area by Valis to Ark. However, this uh, progress that was successful that they were experiencing was actually halted because we killed Tark. So we kind of took the head off the snake. Not to kind of steal that quote from Zavala at all. Uh, so that was that our our interaction with Sea Dancers was actually entirely our own fault because we were so successful against the the Dust Giants and the Sand Eaters. They were mm-hmm. sent in to um, so these are these are the advanced troop, if you will, of the military. Um, and that brings us actually talking about advanced troops. That's a good kind of segue into the Skyburners. Uh, Skyburners, you will see their color schemes is kind of a, a cyan and or cayenne and a red, uh, which, which is, is like a light blue, right? Which is an interesting again going off onto a little bit of an artistic tangent here. Those are contrasting colors that work very well with each other. Actually, it is they are actually called out as being opposites and really strongly paired with each other. Technically, it's blue and orange, but yeah. Well, because uh, cayenne is, or cyan is more of a green, mm-hmm. and in, instead of a blue, and red obviously is not. Well, red is one of the primaries, so anyways. But it's because yeah. of the, the greenish t- uh, tint to it mm-hmm. is, I think, why they usually pair it with red. I, I just found that. I was like looking, because I read, uh, is it cayenne or is it cyan? I always pronounce it cyan, but... okay. 
because I was like, okay, seriously, what color? Yeah, well, that's all I can think of. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's not the color. Like, I need to know what color this is. And so I looked it up and that's where I found it. It's like, it's, it's on the color wheel. It's actually paired with red. I was like, oh, that's kind of good. GG artist of Bungie. It's like you plan stuff. I don't know this this feeling. Um, Nobody plans things. Not plan stuff. This is just I just throw it against the dartboard. I thought no. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So the Skyburners. These are the guys with the toothbrushes. Uh, They are, and the reason why is that these are the bodyguards of the Cabal commanders. Uh, These troops also hold up. I now because of the way you're just saying it, I have an image of the Cabal running at us with toothbrushes in their hands. Uh, Yeah, that's what Saint-14, that's why he was headbutting the Kel. The breath was really stinky. He was just trying to do him a favor. Oh, God. Poor Saint-14. He got his face close to that then. (laughs) I mean, have you ever wondered why it looks like a toothbrush? He's trying to brush. Anyways, Skyburners are the bodyguards of the Cabal Commanders. Um, They also serve as aerial support, and they are referred to as the Celestial Demolition Fleet of the Cabal Forces. It was this legion under the leadership of Primus Ta'an who breached the Dreadnought in an attempt to learn the Hive's secret on how to kill Guardians. Though this ultimately did kind of backfire when Orcs took Ta'an and made him a powerful figure in his own army, which then led to his Bond Brothers, which I cannot remember the name of it, um... His Bond brothers then decided, well, screw you. We're going to strap a lot of explosives to the core of your ship and blow it up, which was the entire Shield Brother strike was <laughs> one of the best lines from Ghost is when we walk into the final room of that strike. And he's like, oh, oh, they just literally strapped all the bombs to the core. Mm-hmm. Oh, bombs. It's covered in bombs. Yeah. Like, I was like, and this is the cabal or this is the cabal response to it. Mm-hmm. Um, little, little side note there. Ta'an was actually a centurion. Uh, we found that out in ghost fragment. I want to say cabal three. I believe it was. It might not be that one, but there is an actual part where we see a conversation between Ta'an and to learn, I believe is the one that we see him com- conversing with. Uh, where the yeah. I think to learn is actually encouraging Taon to mutiny, uh, to not go because Taon had been commanded directly from the Emperor. He was commanded to go onto the dreadnought. Um, and speaking of mutiny, that kind of brings us to the Broken Legion. Now, the Broken Legion is an interesting legion. It is actually a group of Skyburner and Blind Legion troops that are led by a figure, or were led by a figure, Valis Tarog, uh, in a failed attempt or failed attack against the Reef. Uh, and this is an, this is a curious little development because basically what happened was Tarog saw the Reef when they first came into the system as a point of interest that they should capture. High command of Cabal disagreed, and they just basically ignored him. So in response, Trog went around and gathered people who were loyal to him and then basically said, we're going to attack the reef. Any one of the officers in his in the legion that he had formed that disagreed with him, he massacred. And that was actually the betrayal against the Empire that got him in trouble. Not the actual going to attack, but it was the actual I'm going to kill my own officers and assassinate anyone who tries to stop me. Because I view, because he basically saw the inaction of the Cabal High Command against the Reef as a sign of weakness. 
um, which did not go well for him. Uh, basically, the attack failed, and this led to the entire legion, the entire broken legion, becoming imprisoned in the prison of elders, uh, which then would ultimately lead to our being introduced to Trog and killing him uh, once the reef was opened to the forces of the vanguards when the whole House of Wolves situation occurred. So ultimately, not a good call on his part. Kurt Chain actually makes a really good point in regards to the Broken Legion. The the arguably the reason why the High Command was like absolutely not interested in the Awoken was when the Cabal came in to the system. They were getting they were ready for a war of attrition on Mars. Hey Blue. Yeah, hey Blue. Hmm. I, yeah. I have to. I have to like make sure that credit is given to the terrible destiny joke that you told earlier that mm-hmm. is actually Isakol. Is oh, is that Isakol? Writes- okay. Yeah, That's she's the one who's writing a bunch of those terrible Destiny jokes. I just, jokes, which I I just, just see him as retweets. I just see oh, him yeah. as retweets, so I don't, I don't actually. Okay, so okay, I'll make sure that I apologize. I did not know that. Yeah, that's hers. Yeah, she. I just messaged her. I was like, "Blue just told one of your jokes on chat," and she's like, "I know. I want credit." I'm like, "Okay, I'll give you credit." <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Me. I did not know that you. There, mm-hmm. I find them absolutely hilarious. Um. So, uh, yeah, Hurt Chain is actually pointing out the, the entire thing with Broken Legion is because they were they were already ready for a war of attrition on Mars. They didn't want to fight a war on two fronts with the Awoken. And so that's why they ignored uh, Tarag, Tarag, God, I hate cabal names, Tarag, um, when he was like, we need to go attack the Awoken. They're like, no, we already have a war going on with these guys. And now that I think about it, Beard, the Fallen are the only ones who aren't focused on Mars that we've seen yet. Um, yeah, like everybody else is. Everyone else is centered on Mars. And then all of a sudden, like, I was like, I was reading Hertz's comment and I'm like, they went directly yep. to Mars. They're dead. What, what else? Is, oh, my gosh. Well, in addition to that, I, I believe, I believe don't quote me on this uh the quote-unquote center point of our planetary solar system that we have outside of obviously the sun uh but the point between it all uh is mars it's a perfect staging ground to just kind of leap between uh because you've got that uh the the next piece you have are like the uh the asteroid belt and whatnot thanks to jupiter and so on but the it's a it's fairly like in the center of it all and it's a good staging ground to leap to the rest of the interplanets on the system so i wonder if it's not something related to that well because i know because google is the amazing thing i know the i think it's called the berry center berry i'm not an astronomer uh, yeah. yeah that is it's the oh gosh it, it's a changing position like it actually changes yeah i'm gonna say it's not something that it, it's dependent on alignment right but the right. problem that we're starting to see with destiny is that the alignment of the planets also seem like they're all screwy in addition there seem like they're portals that are popping up all over the place because the nine or something uh so it's just these little bits and pieces that don't seem like they're really um that they're really lining up like what I would expect them to be. So 
It's a it's Mars, a good uh, Mars is the most popular kid in class. That's that's the, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, Mars, uh, like Mars is going to have a war or something. Well, Mars, <laughs> Mars could have a. I, I mean, nice green. Yes, I like that. Good, Gustav freaking Holtz. Good job. I got to um, make up for. Uh, I got to make up for Justin being gone. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's quite possible to be honest, especially with uh, Rasputin down there now, alive. Uh, well, that's what I mean. Is like humans. Is, humans are focused yep. on Mars with Rasputin and the war mines. Cabal came in with a beeline directly for it. Before that, the Hive with Zol and Nokris came with the same thing. I mean, Nokris is called out in as saying directly to Zol, we're going to take Mars. And the um, Vex came. The Vex have, the- yeah, the Vex have the center of the garden at Mars. Now, granted, there's multiple gardens, but still, right. their focus is seemingly around Mars. I mean, like, the in the Fallen, I, I mean, the Fallen technically tried to take Mars, the wolves did, but that was because yeah. I, I kind of view that as, like, a last desperate gasp of, we need territory. It wasn't really a coordinated, we're going to take Mars effort. Right. And then they got mauled. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> Before I get too far down on that, um, real quick to kind of jump into the last of the big legions from Destiny 1. Um, And I really kind of actually hesitate to even really refer to them as legion, but they don't really fit anywhere else. And that's the Ice Reapers. Uh, So the only interaction to date with the Ice Reapers are with the Scion Flares, which we kind of mentioned before when we were talking about the Scions. And Scion Flares are... Oh, they're scary. Uh, the ice they're reapers, awesomely scary. They, yeah. Well, and there's more than three of them, just for the record. Uh, but as far as the reapers, uh, the ice reapers, they're actually hinted that this was a this was more of a unit than a legion. And basically, what it seems like is that these were basically a squad of elite fighters or soldiers or specialists that were assigned on a case-by-case basis. The Ice Reaper, or the flares that we interact with were actually assigned to protect the Dust Palace, and I cannot remember which Valus it was, but it was a Valus. I just blanked on his name. But anyways, the Valus who was taking the Dust Palace... Oh my gosh, I just blanked. But anyways, they had been signed specifically to that, and then also the Warmind, which everyone at the time thought was Charlemagne, which has turned out to not be the case. Um, they were, they were part of that. A note on the flares. If everyone remembers from destiny one, the, the placement of Phobos was really off and we have a ghost fragment card in which it was kind of hinted that the cabal might be planning on using Phobos as a last ditch weapon to actually completely destroy Mars by smashing it into the planet. The scion flares are believed to be the ones responsible for pulling Phobos from its natural orbit with the intent to use it as a weapon. And they did that with their psionic abilities. So, let that sink in for a second. Do or do not. There is no try. So, do you remember how flares are created? We got that nice little adventure. Yes! Actually, Mm -hmm. I I do. I actually do. Why don't you, you want to talk about that real quick, Green? So, we got the adventure in D2 with the release of Warmind on how the flares are created. And it's Turns out the flares are kind of um, sucking juice out of Rasputin, essentially, in order to get powered up into these flare super-powered 
uh, scions. And mm. there's that one mission where we're right in front of Rasputin's door and we're basically just having to prevent them from doing that. So the scion flares that were at the Dust Palace originally were siphoning the power from Rasputin there. The fun thing is Ice Reapers refers to the fact of Hellas Basin being covered in ice. The flares had initially are based off of the group that is trying to get to Rasputin themselves, which is in the ice-covered Hellas Basin. And yeah, they got their name kind of from that. Reaper, um, why do you, is the hive? That's the only thing I can think of as far as connections, why they would be called Reapers, but. I I mean, this is, again, you know, ignoring the lexicon gap there. Um Mm-hmm. With which by which I mean is like a lot of these term terms and names is ascribed to us giving them names, but yeah, I kind of take it as ice reapers if they're if they are truly centered around Mars and the Hellas Basin, which is you know where all the frozen hive have been located. Um, then yeah, I mean it would make sense that they are reaping information from the the frozen hive or the the frozen depths, so they are reapers in a way. Yeah. Flayers. They're flaying off the different pieces of Rasputin to use for their own purposes. Flaying. Oh, yes. And Hurt Chain, I believe, makes a comment of the OXA machine as well, which is a an invention from Callus's period, uh, which was basically, I'll let Beer kind of take this one because that is basically the future war cult machine. It's... Uh... It's very similar, which is the the ironic piece of it, if you will. Uh, it's a. It feels like it's able to kind of dig through time, dig through other places, etc. Uh, the largest piece, though, that I absolutely adore about it uh, is the fact that it it immediately ties back, of course, towards the towards FWC. Um, and it also kind of gives us some hints about like the use of uh, either lighter technology, because we were given those capabilities by the traveler to begin with, uh, way after the uh, way after the fact of like the collapse, or not the collapse of the golden age and so on. Like that's where we bore the uh, our own Oxa machine. Uh, so it kind of comes down to the question of like how exactly the uh, how these guys are linked, uh, and we see with the new uh, yes, Black Flag. I'm getting there. Uh, we actually see with the new uh, PlayStation exclusive uh, Warmind Strike, they talk about M Sun Twelve uh, being within the Oxa machine or a listing found within the Oxa machine. Uh, and if you know anything about the the lore behind that, uh, it actually ties back towards, uh, or quite possibly, Maya Sundaresh. Uh, Maya Sundaresh was one of the leaders that actually, and one of the most important people that were actually uh, on the project of uh, experimenting or playing around with the uh, with the device of the uh, Future War Cult. Uh, she was actually one of the founding members. We we tend to find out uh, through Vex Five, uh, Grimoire Five. Probably one of my favorite cards. Uh, I have a lot of favorite cards, though. That said, they kind of dig through and give us a little bit more idea on 
uh, how this machine is kind of built up, etc. But with how all of these links are kind of being made up, it's making me wonder how, uh, I, I guess, all of these uh, dimensions are now linked. Uh, we see the first hint where uh, Crota swipes inside of, like, Oryx Throne World and out pop the Vex. Uh, and then we end up getting a hold of the uh, of some other information uh, where now we see the Oxen Machine is linked up with uh, Emson 12. And if it does absolutely happen to be, which, you know, it may as well be a 90% confirmed thing at this point with that username, uh, if it is Maya Sundaresh and it's one of the copies that went into the Vex network, that means that the Oxa machine is also able to tie back into the Vex network. Uh, all of these things are trying to start that they are, uh, to kind of show that they are linked. Uh, and with some of the other pieces that Callus uh, talks about, he, he rattles off the story of Oryx, for instance. He's able to go back and see this stuff. And it makes me wonder exactly how. Uh, there's, there's plenty of other little, little bits and pieces with, uh, with Toland, uh, with Osiris, with a bunch of other little labels that are, that are kind of showcased, uh, that all show that this Oxa machine is another piece of raveling it all together and, and showing that it is all, uh, that, that Destiny's universe is large and big as it might seem. Uh, is definitely a, uh, a a little smaller than we might think, at least in in my mind. That's at least how I kind of interpret it. Did I miss Blue? anything? No, I feel I... like that was that was as good as I could get with that. And off the top of my head, because I've only ever played that strike like one time. I and... have yet to queue into that strike. Of course, yeah, I haven't it's... really played it much on PS4, but it's a it's a pain to get to to pop. It's also a pain of a strike. Let me tell you. Um, but we see that there is one giant flyer that exists, and if they are able to make another Oxa, and if we are, if, I guess this is the other thing that I forgot to mention. So, in the strike, we don't destroy the Oxa machine. We're actually able to kind of tie into it, so it makes me wonder what we're going to be able to play around with if we can harness that technology. Or what else uh, Future War Cult could also utilize it for mm -hmm. to better understand how the device also works. Uh, if it's all based on Vex tech, uh, which it seems like they've been trying to kind of play with, and if the Oxa could actually be enhanced by using Vex tech, uh, that would be something like that. That would that would be ridiculous. Uh, but as we know, like the Vex themselves are also not like a, a small force. They seem like they proliferate themselves all over the gal uh, all over the either galaxy or the universe, uh, and they pop up in little places. So it's not like outside the realm of possibility that other groups that are with the Cabal, namely the Scions, could work with this technology to make it work for themselves. Uh, so here's but, a question, though. Yeah. Um, just to kind of tie the Oxa machine back to the Cabal hierarchy, like we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the Red Legion, there's a scannable, and I'm trying to remember which zone it is. It's on Earth. It's in one of the Cabal regions that basically Ghost makes fun of the fact that things are put together really weird yep. for the Red Legion. Yeah. 
Do you think that the Red Legion would utilize the technology, the Uxa machine, versus um, Callus, is the loyalist, any of the legions for him? Because my, and this is just purely headcanon and speculation, um, I don't think the Red Legion would know how to use it. Or if they did, they would, like, jerry-rig it somehow. I don't know. It's I can see Callus having a more finesse approach to actually utilizing it. I mean, I guess that would come down to a couple of pieces. Um, I'm thinking back to the fact that uh, we know, we know for a fact uh, that there is a member of the Red Legion uh, that actually does know how to create an Oxa, uh, but right. I don't think it's that the, it is the it's, the it's... one that we. Fight. It's uh, Freeborn Atsa, uh, the science savat. Freeborn was one of the traitors, or one of the. I'm trying I'm, to remember who she I'm was. I'm literally looking at it right now. Okay. Uh, it's uh, but it's Freeborn uh, Atsa. Uh, the whole reason that she's given the name of Freeborn uh, is because as a scion, uh, most enslaved. are deemed more as slaves. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're then given freedom, and it seems like Atsa originally. Uh, had created the Oxa machine as a means to showcase uh, that their freedom could be attained. Uh, but then Callus ends up giving her the title of Freeborn. Uh, but that being said, like, Atsat was, uh, was found as actually being in possession of an Oxa machine. Uh, so, with that theory in mind, if Atsat or a descendant of Atsat uh, still existed if they also had the ability or understanding of how to create a Oxa, then that's quite possibly what might have happened. Uh, oh. But again, that's not that's not entirely proven because I think Atsat is uh, is still up in the air as to like what had actually happened to her because uh, I don't think we get full clarification. I, I could be remembering wrong the from that. The slash through her page. She does, which I'm I'm curious who killed her because I can't remember who did. Uh, I I don't know if there is uh, something that that I'm misremembering with her, but if yeah, she. Uh, I gotta say, one of the yeah. shadows would have had to have to have killed her, but I cannot remember for the life of me if. Uh, who who had done so? So it wasn't cruel. We'll put it that way. Yeah. As far as I think, Red Legion is the only major legion we have left to kind yeah. of discuss, and it's not even. I hesitate to discuss it at length because it's the legion we have the most exposure to in detail. Well, and to be fair, we already kind of have because we've dug through the. Uh, yeah, we we dug through this book that I'm, uh, this book that I'm referencing, and. Um, you know, for me, that that I think kind of goes into some of the the hierarchy a little bit more mm-hmm. of the Red Legion in of, of itself, just to show that it isn't a uh, full thing of um, just the the space rhino portion of the cabal. It's still a gathering of species. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happens to be largely based on scions and the uh, whatever the others are that we don't technically know their names of. Uh, but said like space rhinos are are the head of the the Red Legion. And then, of course, we know from 
gold to the console to everybody else that's kind of built into it. And otherwise, it seems that they all follow the the rest of the hierarchy that we were that we talked about uh, pre- from previous. But yes. And speaking of the gathering, the last little group that we know about is actually Callus's group of shadows, which has the most diverse grouping of species, and it's yeah. small, tiny, tiny strike force that it is. Well, I mean, I'm going to say there's the difference between the Loyalists and the Shadows. Yes. And it does seem like the Shadows are kind of his operational force on a on a larger scale. Uh, they're they're the, the secret agents, if you will. They're the ones that if you ask a guy, oh, did you do military service? And he says, yes. He's like, what kind? It's like the kind that I'd have to kill you after I talk to you about it. So. It's kind of funny that the cabal have strike forces considering a cabal is like a larger group generally well, this this should be enough to showcase how how much of a corner that callus is kind of backed into at this mm-hmm. point uh how he previously didn't need to do so but how he's still uh e- even though he is uh coercing these species into the cabal the way that he is or his new cabal uh loyalist at this point like he still respects them enough that he's going to give them the tools and efficiency that he needs, uh, or that they need, rather, to to carry out their duties and their missions. Uh, also, aren't most of the shadows dead at this point? I uh, I believe all of them are. I could all be except very wrong for one. About that except for like one or two. Us. Uh, We're the only one that is alive at this point. That's uh, not even confirmed, cause, though, because but that's also not know. confirmed that they're all dead because there are actually units inside game that are referred to as shadows. You'll run yeah. into you'll run into them every now and then. I remember one of them that stands out to me as an incendiar. Incendiar, uh, it's referred to as a burn a burning shadow or something like that. Um, so it's arguable if it's actually a shadow um, or not, but. Yeah. Because there were cabal that were well, there there were scions and there were space rhinos that Feltrock. were also amongst the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yep. And there's also a phalanx whom the name slips my mind now. Uh, no, um, no, no, Noger, no, no, yeah, Noger. I think was the yeah phalanx. I think so because she had two shields. She was a a really weird one, but she was like highly defensive. Uh, but we do find, I think, in some of the the newer entries that uh, that that squad had also failed in their mission against Skull, or it was like a previous uh, mission before yeah, they brought that was... out the yeah, because it it seemed like there were two, at least from how it read to me, there were two encounters or two strikes that were uh, presented throughout the armor for for Callus. Uh, there's this the. The armor that uh, goes in from uh, Eater of Worlds, and then there's uh, the other one with just the base Leviathan, and then there's like the Fulminator uh, rule and so on. Um, And then we get to the third uh, grouping, which kind of talks more about just like how he's trying to lead us into, into his shadow forces as well. Uh, yeah, that was the attack where Gaul gets his scars and so on. Absolutely. Fulminator. Yep. The coolest freaking possibility out of all of the shadows ever. I don't yeah. care. Rule is, rule is awesome, but you know what? No. 
No. Uh, Feltrock. wins. Feltrock introduces a really interesting thing, though. Um, yeah. From the Vest of Feltrock, apparently Callus maintains a, what's called a Nightmare Realm that was powered by a group called the Scion Council that he housed prisoners and punished, quote, wayward loyalists. What does that sound like to anybody who I <clears throat> mindbender? Uh, yep. Yep. Which goes back to what I was talking about with the Oxen machine and how all of these elements seem like they're connected between the Oxa, the um Yeah, the the Oxa and the realm that it seems to be able to dig into, which seems highly relevant towards the Vex, which seems highly relevant towards the Hive. So all of these things seem like they're interconnected in a lot of ways. Yeah, they were. Yep. And I think we're going to find more about that real soon. Considering yeah, like a certain, two weeks? Two weeks? Uh, More like almost a week. Almost. It's kind of like I'm scared. I'm like... I'm I, so excited. Look, I'm excited... But I am scared for the amount of lore that I'm going to be inundated with. Uh, Blue, do you think we should? Uh, do we have any final words about the hierarchy? Um, yeah, no, I think I think that was really it. I think we did a really good job of covering the as far as like hierarchy. Hierarchy, it's a it's a weird subject. Uh, thankfully, the cabal mm-hmm. have it very very structured uh real quick though i did promise at the top of the show that we would get into the question of the week so as part of the final thoughts and shout outs green do you want to talk about the i don't even know if it was i guess contentious but uh, the I mean, interesting no. question of the week um okay so last was it last week last tuesday when it dropped mm-hmm. the reddit post yeah. So, um, there's been quite the debate online on social media about the topic of leaks. And so I was just like, okay, let's just make a poll and see how people feel about it. And I actually thought it was a little bit more spread out than initially. Like, I thought it was going to be a lot more contentious than it was. But I asked, what are your opinions on companies leaking information prior to the release? And I, the four options I put were, hate it, it's not productive, doesn't bother me, or give me more. And honestly, the majority of people put, doesn't bother me. And everything else was kind of even around, like, hate, there was a little bit more with people that hated it at 22%. But 46% of people are like, it doesn't really bother them. And there were a few people who are just like, they, there's a fine line that companies walk when it comes to these leaks. And some people were referring primarily to the cinematic trailer that came out this week. And some people were referring to the um, Reddit post that came out last week that had a lot of spoilers for Forsaken in it. And the line... Everybody has a different location for the line, but the consensus is is if it really, really bothers you, they tend to just shut off of uh, social media and don't follow the game for the weeks leading up, is what I've gotten from these guys. A lot of people really like it. Um, Cal9 said, if it's done in a way that gets me more interested and excited for their project, I'm all for it. 
but I don't want it to cheat me out of anything I would experience in game, especially experiences that would be surprising or get an emotional response out of me. As far as Forsaken is concerned, I wish they would have kept a lot of the details they shared with the game informer closer to the chest and were a little bit more vague on the barons. But when it comes to marketing and advertising, I understand why they did it. And so a lot of people seem to have that very... They they wish they would have kept a little bit more information, but they also understand why they're doing it. And I think we said it last week on the recording, they're not giving us everything. I The thing that I do agree with on his statement is that if they give away like the big, big thing, a lot of movie trailers do this, like the big scene of the movie, you tend to see in the trailers, Alex the first, the, what was it? The star Wars where Han Solo gets killed when Ben kills. Han <gasps> Solo. Oh, what? it's a few years old. This is not even the you latest star Wars. Boiled you it for it. me. You stop it. Stop it blue. But no, nah, um, they didn't show that in the trailer. And that was like the thing that people freaked out out about the most for that yeah. movie. Yeah. So, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't see a lot of salt, although the the standings could be a little skewed because people may have blocked me as far as like spoilers because well, I sometimes say things. But well, that's part of it as well because I know that there are there are at least ten people that I know that uh, have uh, gotten involved in my Discord and so on. Uh, and even too with like my comments and everything. Not that I've been posting a ton of videos lately, but the uh, there are some typical players that I know that have uh, been around for like every video that aren't there right now, mm-hmm. and they've gotten in touch with me to say, "Hey, sorry, I'm not uh, watching uh, or commenting or anything. It is literally because I am trying to avoid every little thing that I want to right now uh, about Forsaken and so on." So I feel like it and I and I and I think this is kind of a more of a an overstated idea but I feel like those that care about spoilers are not tuned in anymore. They mm-hmm. will be back come the 4th but they are not tuned in at this point. Yeah, and I think uh, that's but the people that are okay with it are still paying attention and of course they're going to be the ones that are able to kind of respond to some of this. As a content creator, I don't generally, generally speaking, have the ability to uh, keep away from spoilers. I I know, though, like when it all started with E3, because I think that was kind of like the when we saw that reveal trailer. Mm -hmm. I think that is when everything went uh, pear shaped and people started questioning, is this the way that it's uh, that they should be going with reveals? Uh, and then it has been just a matter that they keep talking about stuff. Which, uh, ironically, people forget that that reveal from E3 is not exactly how it happens in game. I'm going to say it was a legitimate teaser. And mm-hmm. I still say it was the two minutes that stopped E3. It's the two My, minutes that stopped the day for the majority of us. Yeah. I, I have to largely agree with sentiments that have been made uh, by many people, though, uh, with, like, how uh, that kind of, like, that was a 
unprecedented piece that now uh, brought our community together again and, like, gave us a little bit of hope in terms of, like, how things were uh, possibly going to go. Uh, we don't, we don't, even with, like, the little bit that they kind of showcased with uh, with the, the recent trailer, I know, too, if anybody had a chance to see that one, mm, uh, it's still... Again. It, yeah, it still doesn't show, like, everything. Yeah. So, again, it's it's these little bits and pieces that they are giving us. I still feel from... As somebody that likes to experience story, and I've I've gone at length this entire thing, and I feel like I'm rambling now at this point. Um, but as somebody that likes to experience story and so on firsthand, I don't like how much they're showing. Uh, and especially if these leaks that we ended up seeing with this armor are also true, uh, it makes me wonder uh how or what perception we're going to see with forsaken as time goes by uh and then the question is again with only having like one side of this entire story with said leaks uh we don't know how any of that can be taken at face value so there are that this is also the difference though like there's leaks and there's controlled information being dribbled to you Mm-hmm. What we have seen with uh, recent Reddit posts, that is a leak. That is legitimately somebody getting into a place that they probably shouldn't be if it is true uh, and pulling information to us that we otherwise will not see until uh, the 4th or at another designated Later. time mm-hmm. uh, or at a time that they decide to go ahead and use things like voice lines that have been within the game for a little while that now they can have in the tower, etc., you know where I'm kind of going with this, because we've seen other leaks that happened in the past that were not utilized at all. And now all of a sudden they could be, and the question is, was that the intent to begin with? So, that's the where I can kind of leave it on that angle. Yeah. It'll be good. Yep. I, and... I am more excited for Forsaken now than I think I have ever been, and I'm trying so hard to not let my hype get the better of me. But everything that I keep seeing from the guys that are out there, uh, with the way that they're going and the direction they're taking it, is from a story standpoint and a lore standpoint and a, and a just bringing it and put, putting it in the game, that's what we I wanted. Mean, we had that... Oh, I freaked out when you got that Twitter reply from one of the Bungie writers. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I was just like, I'm so proud of you. And I <laughs> just, you didn't do anything as far as that goes, but I'm so proud of you. I mean, you did I mean, that video. The video was awesome, but. Yeah. For my whole rambling scheme. Like I said, I've rambled about this at length, mm-hmm. I think at this point. Yeah. I mean, uh, the interesting thing when it comes to, controlled leaks and people's reactions to it and controlled information as well as not controlled leaks. Um, it's a fine, fine line to be able to decide what is what. And if people are being, like you said, kind of getting that information in a not so kosher way Hmm. versus having the company dribble out these little tidbits every once in a while, whether it is um, giving it to us in a magazine or a video release or anything like that. There's also right. the 
And this, this, we were talking about how this could be a, a let's chat and it very, very easily, because <laughs> there's a whole nother argument of um, content creators getting yelled at for spoilers. I'm like, oh, yeah. that, that whole argument is so silly to me because we're supposed to be highly informed and in being able to give that to the people who are listening. And it's just, yeah. Anyway, mm. I think that is good. I already have the question for next week. Because it's Cade, and I've been thinking about this one and kind of putting together this episode for a little while now. But next week's question for question of the week is, what is your favorite Cade memory? Hmm. Super easy, simple. It could be a complicated memory. It could be something, could be a message from the tower, like, who stole my sparrow? (laughs) Because that is still one of my favorite voice lines. Oh, wait, never mind. I found it. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. So. That is going to be the uh, question that I will have on my mind for the next couple of days now as I prepare for a send-off for yeah. the wonderful Hunter Vanguard that is Cade 6. Also... Uh, and another discussion that is going to come of that that is probably going to break a couple of people's minds and hearts. Mm-hmm. If you guys would like to submit any sort of like final words to Cade, I am going to put out a call for submissions, essentially, of things that you guys want to say, like if your favorite memories or your something you're really passionate about when it comes to Cade. That's kind of his, I'm trying to think of what it's called in church. Blue, I need your help. Um, eulogy. When, eulogy. Eulogy. Thank you. Yes, we're going to have... You were the only one that didn't know it, Green. I would just like to point that out. (laughs) (sighs) I have not been to a funeral, luckily, recently. I have not been to a funeral recently, so I feel Mm. very blessed in that respect. But if we're going to do kind of a eulogy, and I'd like to see uh, community members send us things for that. So sending it to the email address or send it to me on Discord. I'm going to put a... I'm going to be sure to put up an alert on Discord for it as well as tweet it out because I want to hear your guys' memories and things that you'd like to say about our hunt- beloved Hunter Vanguard. But yeah, Blue. Are we uh, ready to wrap? Yep, I am. Do you guys have any further shout outs or anything like that? Beard, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I, I have one big shout out. Uh, and I, I don't know if this person would uh, like me to say her name, but uh, I will at least say this. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to afford uh, Forsaken on PS4 uh, coming up. I have a, a coupon that I can use for uh, Forsaken on PC so that I wasn't too worried about. It's like I wasn't going to get left behind on that angle, but I was concerned about the... Uh, the possibility of having um the 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 if they if they continue with it the veteran dialogue be a thing uh so at this point now i'm able i i have to value like two things at this point as content creation goes um do i go with the 4k footage with like the the nice looking mm-hmm. footage etc that I know that YouTube is going to value a little bit more that will help the channel and the community a little bit. I have to be selfish in that right and say, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go with like, what's going to help develop the, 
uh, the community a little bit more on my angle, on my selfish note. But having the PS4, if I miss something, if I if I don't see it from the veteran angle and it's not there, that would hurt. So long story short, uh, this person actually was uh, was able to uh, give me uh, give me enough uh, PlayStation funds in order to do so. So I do want to thank Z for doing that for me. Uh, it was something that was absolutely like un. I, I didn't mention it. I didn't say a thing. Uh, I haven't said anything in my community about it. I haven't done anything in terms of like funds or the money side because that's not what I I, I want to bring up at all on here, except for my constant badgering about not being able to go full time, and that's about as far as I leave it. Um, but I, I see. Thank you very much. I know you're you're in the. Uh, in the chat right now, but thank you so much for doing that for mm-hmm. me. Uh, it helps a ton because that's, that's just a, a layer of stress as a creator that I can take off of my plate as I've already got a ton that I'm thinking of as I like go into, uh, as I, as I really go into forsaken here coming up. Uh, the other one goes to uh, the community in general over on Twitter uh, for myself, at least. I put out a call real fast to just be like, hey, does anybody have the uh, listings for uh, Kate's mementos uh, of the wilds, uh, and in particular the journal entries? Uh, and Unisys and Baxter, uh, and, and in part blue, because he was like, hey, you know really cool website, but he was totally sarcastic. <laughs> hey, and hey, I, just I totally gave you um, the URL for the, for the record. I mean, thanks. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. The, I mean, there's uh, there is this really cool site <laughs> called ishtarcollective.net that has a lot of this information stored. Well, Sorry. and I, I was, was kind of I was kind of an a hole about that, but I was like, this is too perfect of an opportunity. You were just being you, and I'm so <laughs> used to it at this Such point. Such a backhanded compliment. I love it. <laughs> Do I give any other kind of compliments for you? Let's be honest here this for just true. a second. This is true. Anyway, so yeah, Blue was his jerk self uh, and gave me the, uh, the the URL for it. But Baxter, uh, who now has a personal Twitter, by the way. Oh, I'm, I'm so proud of him. I'm it. so proud I, of I, him. I, seriously. Like, now he's got his face on there, and I'm just like, I can remember what you look like even when I don't see you now. Uh, but you, get, you guys can follow him uh, over there now on Twitter if you are. Uh, he's just kind of like doing his own thing, which is just awesome. Uh, but regardless, like Ishtar Collective, uh, Baxter chimed in on it. I know Purple had a little bit, but Unisys uh, or Phil, uh, he actually jumped in and had a uh, a spreadsheet mm-hmm. that, uh, and this spreadsheet actually had uh, most of. He's he's missing the Mars stuff, and I I wish I knew that ahead of time before I went and turned mine in. Um, but he has most of the uh, flavor text dialogue that uh, exists on those items. That is something that's hard to get a hold of in the API, and that's the kind of stuff that we have to kind of like watch as we go along with some of these items. Uh, as uh, as as many of us will say in the the quote that we have from the Last Jedi, uh, "No, the sacred text." Uh, <laughs> oh, that's God. basically how I'm going to be as I go into Forsaken. Uh, there's going to be very few things that I feel like I'm going to want to break down early on. Uh, and I had that same thing happen to me with like the, the white and the green and the blue armor. And mm-hmm. I was like, do you guys, do you guys need this stuff? Do you, do you need me to like take pictures and everything? 
I haven't broken it down. My inventory is getting like really full. Do, <laughs> and do now you, you know why we complain about vol space. It's not uh-huh. because yeah. we're keeping god rolls. It's because we're keeping all the white items that we get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we're we're uh... like trying to hang on to some of this stuff and be like, you can safely discard this item. I'm just like, Bungie, I don't trust you. I don't trust you anymore. <laughs> I could throw you. And right now I can't touch you. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's... Uh, as we go into Forsaken uh, again, a call for any because I think this will be the last time I'm able to uh, say this before uh, before we actually like fully get to release and everything. But another call to those that are uh, interested in bringing up uh, lore or or trying to collect it and so on. Ishar Collective is all about it. Uh, that is the best and easiest place for I know most of us to go back to because we can insert stuff into the API uh, and back into the database. We will need your help again as soon as Forsaken launches. So if you've ever been interested in it before, please do us all a favor uh, so we can either keep bringing content like this to you guys because we all have lives and jobs that isn't oh God, this. Yeah. Uh, and we try our darndest to read up where we can. Uh, but you guys finding the stuff, and even if you go ahead and put some little uh, tidbits and thoughts into it as you will, doesn't matter. Just the fact that you guys are able to bring that information to us helps so much. Mm-hmm. One phrase, one phrase can make us go ballistic. You may not realize it, but we will. We'll get it. And that's how we can continue to bring this great content to you guys. So keep that in mind as we go along. And I mean that as like, a, I don't just mean that with Focus Fire. I don't just mean that with my channel. I mean that with every single community member that is interested in making content about the lore, the story of Destiny, or otherwise. It is so important that you guys keep involved with it. So to those that have, like Unisys, like Baxter, like Burple, uh, for everything over to Shark Collective, uh, for going above and beyond where you need to. Thank you. You know what? Yeah, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> also, whether we wanted it or not, oh we my just God. into a war with the Cabal on Mars. Now, Jeez. on a serious... I had to. I got put up... Like, I got... Somebody put me up to that. Like, you have to do the Cabal meme. You're on the Cabal episode. It's like, okay, fine. I'll do it at the very end when everybody else has already stopped listening. Um, no, uh, as far as like shout outs and closeouts for the show, I am going to be recording a drunk lore cast tomorrow night. She's so excited for it. Zan- it's so I am, fun. I'm really scared. I'm really, <laughs> really scared. Like, no, it's I don't, so fun. I, I get that, but like, when I'm on the show with you two. I do a lot of like bouncing off things off of you two. I'm not the primary talker 90% of the time. And so I'm like, oh, I don't have a buffer to help with all the ideas and stuff like that. I mean, Xanafan is going to be awesome, I'm sure, but I'm real nervous about the whole thing. So, hey, if no offense, but if Justin can do it, you're fine. (laughs) That's (laughs) slightly comforting. I mean, no, I mean, um, seriously, seriously, he went for two and a half hours on Ahamkara. Like, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, that there. does not surprise me. It's Justin and Dragons, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be good. I'm just excited and nervous because I don't drink and I'm a 
little terrified how I will act while drinking and talking about lore. Because I drink coffee during the show, guys. I, I can't, I don't drink alcohol very often. But it'll be good. Blue. What's no, I mean, I'm dead serious. Uh, kind of doubling down on the thing from Beard. Uh, I am continuing to work with the guys and gals that we have been given the bypass authority uh, over in Discord. We have gotten to a point where we are starting to work on a subreddit uh, just for our internal kind of notes system. Uh, so it's it's really actually kind of cool. We've, we've got a, a good group over there. Um, hopefully we'll see that kind of starting to take off now that we have the foundation laid out. Uh, if you guys are interested in that again, just shoot us a message, uh, or shoot me a message over on discord. Um, I'm trying to think a big shout out to, uh, I want to make sure I get the name right. Yeah. It was little rabbit, uh, who actually managed to secure a, uh, deck of the forsaken playing cards for me. Mm -hmm. Um, he sent that today and uh i was kind of blown away was not expecting that i because we had been talking about uh if you guys uh well well this monday will be when this comes out so you might still have some time if you go to gamestop or whatever game uh store physical location that you guys have in your near vicinity there is a lot of the extra pre-order stuff like they just they get a a ton of this stuff um, and so what a lot of us will do is we'll we'll go in we do our pre-orders and then like as they make announcements a lot of times what i know gamestop does is like they say if you bring in your receipt well if they've announced a new bonus or whatever they just give it to you like they'll just be like whatever uh if you actually you know here's here's a little hint towards uh real life strategy if you make friends with the people who work there you actually can get extra stuff, especially if you're going to be doing stuff like giving it to other people who are not able to get that stuff. Um, so a lot of us have been kind of behind the scenes trying to figure out if we can get some extra stuff to send to people who might not have gotten a chance to get those products. Um, or in, you know, kind of like, again, what Beard is saying, you know, some of those things actually have implications in the story that might not be so glaringly obvious to people who aren't you know steeped in it as deeply as some of us are um so i know for instance for the cards there's a there's a hint about the drifter on there um that i've heard about murmured so i'm I'm just curious what Mm. that is um but yeah so again doubling down on what beard has been saying uh other than that that's really all i i have this week uh Looking forward to the insanity that is to come. Uh, if we hear what we, if what we hear about the the amount of content is oh. true, I'm I'm expecting an explosion of activity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. If uh, if what if what uh, two things if what Z had kind of hinted at for the tweet response that he gave, uh, along with Jill Shar, like kind of chiming in a little bit. Uh, we are going to be up to our eyeballs in it, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited That's, for that. I'm I'm expecting that to be the case because it's not just it's not just Z and Jill. Um, I yeah. think Seth has made a comment. Like there is a lot yeah, of John made a comment. John John it. made a comment. Yeah. yeah, John made a comment. There's there's a number of various comments that have been made about that. Matt made a comment. Um, yeah. Just, as as I'm talking, this is keeps coming. Um, a number of different people have made the same general comment. So I'm really expecting that. I mean, just the fact that we're getting a lot of the text back 
in game yeah. or whatever, that's going to be a large part of it as well. We're going to have to sift through that, make mm-hmm. sure you know nothing changed, nothing got cha- like edited or anything mm-hmm. like that. Which, by the way, guys, if that happens, I don't want freakouts. That's nope. part of the editing process. Like this is yep. a story. Like it's not. It's not. You know, it's not real life. So if something gets edited and they change an adjective, don't don't freak out. <laughs> Let us know. Um, but I mean, don't worry. We we will uh, talk about it. So, but yeah, with all that, the, uh, yeah, with, go for uh, it. One, one yeah, yeah, go for it. Too. I'm sorry. Uh, Gambit is also running uh, a oh yes. 24 hours as well. Uh, Cosmo had given us a, a little bit. I know DMG, Deej, and a few others had said it. Uh, September 1st mm-hmm. is when they are running this. Next to Saturday. Note, yeah, to note this, this is a Saturday. This Green just said. They didn't put it on a Tuesday. They didn't put it on a Wednesday. They put it on a weekday. Uh, a weekend weekend. Day, which is great. So it gives a lot more chances for you guys to test. open up for Yes, I'm going to say it's yes. a good stress test, I think, for most of it. But just the fact that they're opening it up, at least for the 24 hours, it gives everybody, regardless of ownership for DLC or otherwise, a chance to jump into Gambit and see how it is. I cannot stress this enough. That was the thing. That was at Guardian Con. That was the thing that it seemed like everybody had the most fun with. Mm-hmm. I was standing around the lines. I was watching everybody's faces. Even the uh, the the semi uh, semi professional thing that they were trying to run with, like the tournament for Gambit. It was still, I think, the most widely received thing that was up on that main stage. It's, so that should tell you something. It's man, so it looks so good. The I lines personally were have not four had hours it. long. Yeah, yeah. They they wanted to make sure that it was done right, and they did. Uh, they didn't get as many people in as I know they wanted to, but it was still so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just seeing everybody's face like light up when they played it was just fantastic. So I would, uh, what well, what I would say is for anybody that gets a chance to listen to this, if you play it, uh, let me know, like at me on Twitter or otherwise, uh, what it is that you think about Gambit, because I have a feeling you're going to be the same way as everybody that was in line. Uh, the experience is different, definitely from most of the other stuff that it seems like we've had destiny so far. It's the, the welcome change that I think we've needed in a game mode for a long time. And if it is only the catapulting point to this mix of PVE and PVP, uh, or it allows for some different PVE modes, I'm all for it. It's just a good catapulting point and it's worth you taking the time. Even if it's just to reload the game for a little while that you haven't played solstice or anything, just jump and play Gambit, see what you think. That's it. All right, guys. So to, yeah, we'll run through an outro as usual, and then we might stay around for a little bit of an after show. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>